Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. All right, let's get into it. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Who is our last invisible person? Who is our last invisible person? That is the all-important question And here it is. I'm going to give it away right off the top. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. My version says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for the gift of this morning. Thank you for Ambassadors Church. Thank you for this family. Thank you, God, for the exciting things that are taking place right here in this house. Lord, would you speak to us, O God, through your word? This is not my message, but yours. Not my word, but yours. Father, so would you use this voice, O God, to transmit this timeless truth. Lord, that in the kingdom of God, there are no invisible people. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Bacalhau, I heard bacalhau in the back. That's for all the people that aren't Cape Verdean, fish and Thanksgiving probably don't go together. But for us Cape Verdeans, you can't have Thanksgiving without fish. You can't have life without fish, frankly. Uh, what, what, what else? What else? What else? Favorite Thanksgiving? What is it? Pernil. Pernil. I'm still trying to figure out what pernil is. Is that pork? Pork. Hallelujah for, for all of our Latinos who love pernil. I know Xavier sweats it. He's all about it. Uh, what, what else? Uh, other stuff that's favorite, uh, favorite Thanksgiving dish? Cachupa. All right. We have cachupa on Thanksgiving. Is that a thing? It is a his family. <laughs> hey, bro, why not? Why not? T- timeless, timeless meal. What else? Stuffing? Any stuffing fans? All right. Bacon, mac, and cheese. Shoot, that sounds like a heart attack on a plate, right? That, 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 but that sounds amazing, though. Any, anybody else? Mashed potatoes. Any potato? My wife is all potatoes all the time. Any kind of potato made any kind of way. Mashed, fried, chips, anything. She, just whatever kind of potato, she's all about it. Yes, anybody else? What? What is it? Collard greens, very zealous with all the timeless stuff. I love it. Uh, Nobody said turkey. My family doesn't even make turkey. My mom, we grew up not, I mean, when my grandmother was like 
active. Uh, she was all about like southern southern cuisine, and so we would have you know the turkey and all that, and and we had the cranberry, all that. I never got cranberries. I never got that fad, the cranberry sauce thing. I can't. I can't do it. Too sweet for me, man. Doesn't match. But but I. I, f- I saw a video this week about frying turkeys, fried turkeys, and, and, and the video was really about the dangers of frying turkeys, because when you go to fry a turkey, it can really create like a really big fire, and, uh, and so I knew my mom wouldn't do it, so I, I ruled her out, didn't even send her the link, like I just like, she's not, gonna, she's not gonna do it, but my brother-in-law though is the kind who will do it, uh, regardless of the consequences. And so I sent it to my brother-in-law and I said, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna split time, like we're gonna be at your house for, for lunch, we're gonna go to my parents later, like let's, let's just, let's fry a turkey. I know your mom, my mother-in-law was making the turkey for the, for the gathering, but uh, I'm like, let's, let's fry a little one, like a little turkey, just for the sake of frying it. And so I Venmoed him like half the price of a turkey fryer and we split it for, for, to, to buy the turkey. He bought the turkey and, and, uh, and I showed up a couple minutes early for us to, for us to get it all ready. And uh, so it was just me and him. This was like our little, our little project, right? So I showed up a little early. Nobody was there yet. Just me and him outside. We're trying to, and we were trying to assemble the thing without instructions, typical men, right? Like we're just gonna go about it because we, we never fried a turkey in our life, but it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Whole bunch of oil inside that thing. We just filled, filled it up and uh, it comes time to ignite and the thing's not igniting. It's not igniting. And uh, I'm freaked out by like, gas and explosions and all that. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. So we hooked up the propane tank. I was going to call it the Portuguese. Yeah, it's propane tank, all that. And, uh, and we were going to do it. So we go in, read the instructions because something's not right. It's not, it's not, it's not lighting. It's not igniting. We finally uh, get it to ignite. My other brother-in-law shows up. Now it's three men trying to figure this out. And we need to get the oil to 350 degrees. So the temperature thing, the thermometer, thermos, thermo, thermometer is in there. And we're measuring the temperature. It's going up. And then my father-in-law arrives. Now it's four men uh, trying to figure out the, the, the frying turkey. And then my brother-in-law's, how is he related to this? Some other guy showed up. So now it's five guys. Um, I'm trying to figure out how he's related, but he's related to somebody. Uh, wait, he's my brother-in-law's wife's brother showed up. And uh, so now it's five guys trying to figure out how to fry a turkey. So we ignite the flame. Goes, gets going, we're seeing the temperature go up, 100 degrees, 150, 175, 200, and the flame goes out. Uh, we, we go, it was freezing on Thanksgiving, by the way. Anybody noticed? It was like crazy cold. So we go inside to thaw out, and then we come back out, flames out, reignite it, go back in. We're like, okay, now it's done. Come back out, flames out, reignite it, go back in. At, at this point, like, everybody's already arrived, and I mean, this is like a Brazilian house, so like, everyone's there. That shows you how late, how long this was taking, right? Um, so we go back out. It, it literally, six or seven times, we kept reigniting the turkey fryer until my father-in-law decides that he knows what to do. He drags in the trash cans, lays the trash cans on the ground, opens up the lid, and creates like a, like a, like a, like a barrier around the, around the turkey fryer. And I'm like, this is not, this is not, 
good. It's not a good idea. Everyone was saying this is not a good idea. We're gonna melt the trash cans. Like this is, this is just not gonna, this is not gonna, first he wanted to put the fryer next to the house, like next to the wall of the house. I'm like, this is never gonna end well. Like my brother-in-law recently had a grease fire on his oven. Like this, this is not, this is not good. And this was all my idea. So I can either take the credit or take the blame, depending on how this thing goes. And, uh, and, and so he creates this barrier around the thing. And he says, 60 years experience. As if he's been frying turkeys his whole life. I'm like, bro, you, you don't know about this in Minas, like where, where, he's, like, where he's from. Uh, and, but, but 60 years experience, baby. This is just how we do it. Like he does it every weekend. And so you know, you know, men, when, when, when things go the way men predict it'll go, bro, just like the ego flares. And, and so we're like, all right, you're right, master. Like, this, is, this has gone well. And uh, so we get it up to 350 degrees. Time comes to plop it in. We, we, we don't plop it in. We lower it in nice and, nice and slow. We fry it. Came out, came out beautiful. You should try it, you and your family. Like, like. But I want to rewind to where the sermon is. Uh, and the sermon is in the flame. And the only way to maintain the flame was to defend the flame. That there was this outside force called wind that was coming at it. And every time the wind would blow, uh, an unguarded flame would be put out. And so you had to create a barrier around the fire in order to maintain the flame. That's a sermon. Come on. So my 60 years experience father-in-law was correct. <laughs> you have to maintain barriers around the fire in order to keep the flame burning. This is what I feel about no invisible people. It's this flame that God is igniting in our church. And unless we defend it, it will quickly be put out. Uh, for uh, the tendency of all humanity is toward isolation where we, are, we will hang with those that we're comfortable with and we will talk to those who we already know. And in that process, there will be a culture of invisible people. Whether we acknowledge it or not, it, it ends up happening. And, and what I see, I, man, I've been praying that this series would be more than just a, a run-of-the-mill sermon series, but that this would truly be a prophetic word for this house. That this would be a prophetic word for the next five to 10 to 15 years, the next generation of ministry coming out of ambassadors. That this would be a word that defines who we are as a church, that there are no invisible people. Man, if it were up to me, I'd like paint it on the front of the building. Like I would tattoo it. Like I would just go crazy because this is who we are as a family is that we believe that in the kingdom, at this table, there are no invisible people. Do you agree with that? Can you say amen? And so we've seen the poor widow with the two copper coins. We've seen the Syrophoenician woman judged by where she came from, welcomed into the house and welcomed at the table. And we saw last week the story of the prodigal son. And I pray that the explanation of that story opened your mind to the, the true value of that story, what's going on there. And that both sons were in the wrong for, for one that squandered and the other one that was overly religious. Both of them were just as far removed from the father. But so I was thinking about today, and I didn't want this, and this is not a Christmas message. Uh, Christmas for me, Advent starts next Sunday. So I wanted to preach on the story of Joseph without approaching it from the lens of Christmas. Because I think Joseph is probably one of the most invisible people of the New Testament. Because whenever we think of the birth of Christ, it's about the Virgin Mary. 
It's about baby Jesus. Even the wise men get more attention than Joseph. Like the shepherds, the, the animals get more attention. Everyone kind of forgets about Joseph. And little do we realize that in this story, there is a struggle that this man is facing. And, and he is facing the reality of a situation that he wished hadn't been the case. And, and now he's receiving a word from God. And, and so let me just kind of recap this story to get us all on the same page. Mary is pregnant with a child from the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's unbelievable, then you can imagine what Joseph would think when Mary breaks the news to her fiance that she is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. What? You are pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. Like, this is like Maury. <laughs> Who is the father? This is unbelievable. I know if Alini came to me and said, she has conceived a child and it is conceived by the Holy Spirit, I would need the Holy Spirit <laughs> to maintain my sense. Like, this is just, this is unbelievable. And he is wrestling with, now, engagement then is not engagement now. Engagement now is put a ring on it, let's plan. Engagement then is we're basically married. We just haven't consummated the relationship. And so he's like, let me just divorce her quietly and just kind of walk away from the situation because I really don't want to get caught up in this pregnancy by the Holy Spirit thing because it's going to trigger too many questions. You know when you are involved in a situation, you're like, everyone is going to ask what is going on. And, uh, and, 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 and so he's just thinking, well, let me, let me just divorce her quietly. I will walk away and she can just figure it out. She can tell her story that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And I don't care if they believe her or not. Not my, pro not my kid, not my problem. And so I'm just going to kind of walk away. And so he goes to bed that night, wrestling with the decision to quietly divorce Mary. And a word of the Lord comes to him that very night. And it says that the child that is in the womb of your fiance, Mary, is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And you will give birth to this child. Well, she will give birth to this child and you shall remain with her and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save the world from their sins. And so he wakes up from that. Have you ever woken up from the dream like what in the planet happened? I had a dream last night that I was invited to preach at Elevation Church. Can you believe that? That was last night. That was last night. I'm like, I woke up this morning like, even better, I'm going to Ambassador's Church. <laughs> and so, so that was last night. But have you ever woken up from a dream and you're just thinking, oh my goodness, what? But the word that God gave him triggered obedience that he remained with Mary. And they went through that nine-month process and, and gave birth to Jesus. And, and sort of we, after the birth of Christ, and we see Joseph one more time. When, Je when Jesus is 12 and he gets lost in the temple and basically Jesus' parents lost him in, 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 the, in the church. I've seen parents drive away from here without their kids too, so it happens. 
You lost God? Really? Come on. Uh, and, and that's the last time that we hear of this man. Every other situation where Jesus' parents are involved, it's Mary only. And what I'm finding when I try to dissect the life of Joseph is, what role is this guy playing in this big story? Did you know that there, are no, there is no such thing as coincidental connections? That every person in your story has been positioned in your story for a purpose. That as children of God, we don't believe in coincidental relationships. And that's why we don't date just to date. And we don't just commune to commune. Like we believe that every relationship, every connection is purposeful. That there, every single individual that has walked into your life and out of your life has been positioned by God for a purpose. And so it's not a matter, they did me dirty. No, it's a matter of you realizing what is God trying to teach you through that connection? What is try, God trying to do in your life? And, and so I'm thinking like, look, Mary's pregnant already. Like Joseph really has no role in this. She's already conceived the child. She is pregnant. Whether Joseph is in the story or not, she's pregnant and God's on the way. But God had a specific task for Joseph that would be to be the earthly father to the Christ child, to, to teach the human side of Jesus what it was to be a man. And so even though it seems like Joseph was a pointless character in the story, there was a purpose behind the person. And I want to remind each and every one of you this morning that the people in your life are serving a purpose in your life. Even the people that have broken your heart, even the people that have walked away, even the people that have betrayed you or stabbed you in the back, they are serving a purpose to unlock something else that God wants to do in your life. There's no such thing as pointless people in the life of the believer. Can you say amen? amen. Let me just tell you this real quick. This is just teaching a teaching moment. There are a couple kinds of people in our life. There are some that will come into our life for a season. There are these people that we will meet. We will even become like tight, intimate, but that relationship may or may not be permanent. It's important for you to have discernment in regards to these individuals in your life. They're, like Joseph, there are some people that enter our story for a couple chapters of our story. They serve their purpose, but our story continues. The story of Christ did not end because Joseph was no longer in it. It continued. And I think sometimes you think if that person walks away, it's the end of my story. It's not the end of your story. The only one that can end your story is the one who is writing the story. My Bible tells me that God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who determines when things start and when things end. And so there is no point in you being in despair when somebody who you had entrusted maybe intimate details of your life to walk away from your story. Man, I, I'm quoting T.D. Jakes a lot on this point because uh, th this video, and if you haven't seen this video, just you need to see this video. He says this, and I'm going to do the T.D. Jakes voice because you have to have the T.D. Jakes effect. When people walk away from you, let them walk. And what he's saying there, what he's saying in that clip is, is that there are some that will enter and exit but their purpose was accomplished. There are other people that God will bring into your story and those are the people that will last for the journey. 
Those are two very different sets of people. Us as children of God, we need to have the discernment to know, is this a temporary character or a permanent character? Be grateful for both of them. Be grateful for both because both are playing a part in your story. When I see the life of Joseph, I'm not just seeing a random character. What I'm seeing is a man who had a purpose in the human life, the earthly life of Christ. But he exits the stage, but the mission of Christ was still accomplished. And I think that there's a word tucked in here somewhere for somebody in this room who maybe feels like your purpose, your mission, your destiny, identity, all these big ideas are stopped because of one individual who walked out. Let me tell you and remind you that God always finishes what he begins. So there is no such thing as doom and gloom when one person is out of it because your purpose is way bigger than one person. If people can walk away from you, let, let them walk. This needs to free somebody because sometimes we're trying to do a juggling act of our friendships. Are they happy? The people that will be with you for the journey, you don't need to juggle them. They will be with you for you. Joseph, man, no juggling. In, out. Served his purpose. Man, this morning, let's just have the, the, the wisdom and the discernment to know what it is that God is doing through the people that he places in our life. There are no coincidence, there is no accident. You can check out my notes, man. This is just a good word for somebody in the house who needs the freedom to know that God is doing all things right, that he makes no mistakes. And man, just keep walking. Keep walking. Is this helping anybody this morning? Know the difference and be grateful for both. Look, fact, Mary was pregnant. Fact, uh, this was going to blow up and be a very terrible situation. Fact, this would bring shame to Mary, to Joseph, to everybody involved. Fact, if he divorces Mary, it's bad. Fact, if he stays with Mary, it could be worse. If anybody watches The Office, you know, fact, bears eat beets, bears beets, Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I'm just, I think Office all the time. Uh, but fact, no matter how this would transpire, something was going to go down. I want to ask you, what would happen if you remained? Fill in the blank on whatever that looks like in your life. What would happen if you gave up this idea that you need to leave something? That you just need to abandon it? Like, because I think that there's a generational issue where we walk away from inconveniences. Right? I have never been ashamed of my love for fast food, correct? Like I've, I've been open, honest, transparent, vulnerable, all of it. There are moments where I'm waiting for something that is labeled fast food. And it's everything but fast. And the tendency, and I don't know if this is an American thing, a New England thing, 
But what we do is we throw a tantrum against that which has inconvenienced us. And we think we win by walking away. We think that if I walk away, I'm going to assert the fact that I'm in charge here. So let me just abandon ship and I will prove who is the boss. Let me just give you a tidbit about marriage. There will be times where marriage will be inconvenient. Sacrifice is never convenient. Compromise is never convenient. There will be times where serving in the house of God is inconvenient. It is frustrating. It is taxing. It is tiring. In all of these scenarios and infinitely more, walking away is not the answer. You don't jump ship to prove that you're the boss. Because those that are submitted to Christ are willing to submit to the process. What would it look like if you stayed? What would it look like if you remained? What would it look like if you sacrificed your ego and stayed there one more day? But then, let's flip the equation. Because I think on the opposite side of that same coin, some of you need to walk away from some stuff that you haven't walked away from. So my second question to you is, what would it look like if you did walk away? Because I think sometimes we remain chained to certain things, behaviors, people, places, because those things bring us a sense of nostalgia or comfort. And so there will be things or friendships or circles of people that we are unwilling to abandon for when we are in those circles, we feel like we're comfortable. And so in that circle of comfort, we are not changing and we're not growing. So on the opposite side of you remaining, sometimes you need to ask yourself the difficult question, what would it look like if I walked away from this? Both are healthy questions to ask. For Joseph, the question was, should I stay or should I go? And God gives him a word in one moment, one night. God literally speaks directly to Joseph, reaffirming him that what was happening in the womb of Mary was from God. God is still speaking up to this very day. Do you believe that, church? God speaks in a variety of ways. God speaks through dreams. I don't know if he spoke to me last night about the Elevation Church thing or if that was just me on an ego trip. God speaks through dreams. God speaks through prophetic words. God speaks through a sermon just like this. God speaks through your conscience. God speaks through nature. God speaks through times of worship. God speaks through times of prayer. God speaks through secondhand revelation. God speaks through direct revelation. God can speak directly a, an audible word to, to your heart and to your soul. God can speak an inaudible. God speaks in silence. The question is not whether God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Stop calling it a season of silence. Start calling a season of silence a season of seeking. It's not a season of silence. Because God is never silent. Even in the silence, God is saying something. Sometimes the lack of answer is the answer. What we need to, have, what we need to develop now is the discernment of how to hear the voice of God. Let me challenge you and stretch you a little bit more. Let us... Because I, I see the value of what we're doing here this morning. 
God is giving you a word. There's a sermon here. This is secondhand revelation, though. This is revelation given to me that I'm now transmitting to you. This is not a substitute for firsthand revelation, which is you being in the presence of the Father and receiving something directly from him. Let me stretch you and challenge you a little bit more. There's a whole lot of people saying God said this or God said that. And man, I think God uses people to say stuff, but there's a whole lot of people that are not hearing God. Don't abandon me midway, man. We're almost done. Can you say amen? There's a whole lot of people quoting God. Why is it easy to quote God? Because you can just say God said. There's a whole lot of people saying, God said you're going to marry me. God said you're going to. And, and it's not true. It was true for me, though. I give God the highest of praise. But that's not the case just because they said God said. This is what scares me. I think that there are a lot of people being led astray through so-called prophetic words that were not rooted in anything God said. Is this too heavy for a Thanksgiving sermon? I just want to help you. What we need is not more words. What we need is more discernment. There's a whole, there's a whole lot of words. Man, I can barely scroll once on my Facebook without seeing a secondhand revelation sermon clip reposted. And I see the value of it. But what I value more is intimacy with the Father on my own. Because I can't piggyback on your relationship with God. I can't piggyback on my pastor's relationship with God. This sermon cannot be the sum total of God's revelation to you this week. This is additional. This is added. This is inspiration. This is challenge. This is stretching. But the hard, heavy lifting of spiritual growth happens between you and the Lord tomorrow through next Sunday. Just because someone says God said doesn't mean God said it. And the best way to begin developing your discernment of what God said versus what he did not say, is that the real time, 1023? No way. Is it really? What? We're usually done in drinking coffee by now. I have six pages, I'm on page two, okay. Um, I'm going to tie these loose ends. Tyler, help me end. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to extend this to next week. Yeah, you won't even be here, but you can catch the recording. <laughs> My parents will be on vacation. They're celebrating how many years of marriage? 37 years of marriage next weekend. Congratulations to my parents. So... Where was I even saying? Yeah, God didn't, the best way, this is where I was. The best way to begin developing discernment is to know what God has already spoken. Because God will never contradict what he has already said. So there's a whole lot of stuff that it really doesn't even, like even the enemy could discern that it's not of God. Because God didn't already say it. So how can you know what God has already said? if you're not even in the word.
That's why there's a lot of people being led by this and that and the other and TBN's throwing them off and Church Channel is throwing them off and, and this blog is throwing them off and that podcast is throwing them off. Not because that stuff doesn't have value because I think there, you can always take the good and throw out the bad, but I think that there's a lack of maturity and rootedness here. If you would be rooted here, you would find yourself being more stable everywhere. So Mary's claim that she was pregnant with the, the Holy Spirit's kid is just as unbelievable as Joseph waking up the next morning saying, God gave me a word. Because living this life of faith is truly unbelievable. God never operates in the normal. God always operates in the supernatural. What is beyond reason. And, and therefore, there is this incredible storyline that is unfolding and, and, and all of this is happening so quick. And then Joseph is given a direct word from God that reassures him of his role in this story. Tyler, you can really come up now because I'm really going to end. Because I hope this helped somebody. Man, as I was typing, because I was like, this seems like a lot. And now it has proven to be too much. But God's going to keep speaking through this next week. I hope this helped. The people in your life, man, check them out. It's all good. God is speaking. Are you listening? There's no invisible people. If you can just take those three things home, mission accomplished. You know what's really laughable is before I started preaching today, I said I'm going to be brief because we need to take our family photo. That's the most hilarious part of this whole morning. Thank you, Tyler. One final thing about Tyler. Uh, we've been doing this keys thing at the end of sermon for so long, including truth seekers thing, city downstairs, the whole bit. Last Sunday, usually I give him like a cue, like a key word for him to come up. And I said, last, last Sunday I told him, Tyler, this Sunday, I'm not gonna tell you when. I want you to feel it. And I kid you not, he felt it, and he came in right at the end. That's discernment. It's like, yep, this is coming to a, maybe that's just the final word that God wants to give you this morning. The beauty of discernment. Let the Holy Spirit prompt you as to what is right and what is wrong. Let him speak to you. Let him guide you. Let him be your comforter and your friend. Right now, I'm in the middle of a book by Charles Stanley called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. Such a good book. Do we sell it out there? We do. Hallelujah. Y'all should buy it. But it's, it's incredible. This book is telling me, like, because I have the tendency to think I need to produce this stuff. Produce fruit. Produce. But I'm not called to produce. I'm called to bear fruit. Discernment is not this thing you need to try to produce or manufacture. I believe that a life of intimacy with the Holy Spirit will yield discernment that will give you wisdom in how to live your life. Could you just bow your heads? I want to pray for you, and we're going to finish off this service.